Welcome to the On Target Living Podcast, a place where health and human performance meet. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the On Target Living Podcast. I have my buddy back in the studio. We had such a good response uh, just recently with my buddy Walt Reynolds that we decided to, hey, can you come back and join us? So welcome. Thanks Thank for you. coming in. Appreciate so, it. Yep. Um, so last time we talked a lot about movements and, you know, give a little quick history for those of you who haven't listened to the, our last podcast with Walt, but why don't you just give the listeners a little background on you and then we can kind of jump into some of the questions I have. Okay. Um, born and raised in mid-Michigan, East Lansing, uh, lifetime athlete, uh, did a lot of track and field, ended up being my sport of choice. I went to the University of Oregon where I uh, was a competitive high jumper. Um, and you're going to ask me at some point if I don't say it now. So I jumped seven, two and a half at one time. Seven, two and a half. Yeah. And you're, as I mentioned before, you're six foot tall. So that's, yeah, that's some hops. It's a couple inches over my head. But, <laughs> um, enjoyed that. Uh, did my best to make it the Olympic trials in 1988, which I did not, but, um, I gave it best shot. And uh, actually, since the, around that time, since about 87, I've been uh, personal training, so a couple years now, and uh, opened a studio uh, formally about 16 years ago um, here in Lansing, and have been doing that ever since. Um, at one point, I counted it up, and I had about 35,000 training sessions, I think. 35,000 so, one-on-one yeah. training sessions. Yeah. Oh, over a lot of years. For sure. And then you have uh, three other partners. I do. And the name of your studio? The Trainer Studio. The Trainer original. Studio. So yeah. you have your own private training studio. And I think you have nine trainers all together. We have nine trainers. We have two massage therapists. We have probably close to a dozen instructors who teach everything from self-defense to Zumba to mm -hmm. Pilates. And uh, the bulk of what we do is one-on-one -on -one training and, and massage. And uh, yeah, we have a great time. And then just for the listeners, let them know that Walt and I met at the Michigan Athletic Club back in 1991. I was a fitness director and Walt was a personal training director and we never met each other. And I remember still sitting down with you that day and talked about philosophies. And then I remember going on, you and I went to Colorado to see Gary Gray, which yeah. was in physical therapist. And Gary wanted to know, who are you guys? Because he was from Adrian, Michigan at the time. We're from Lansing area. And everybody from Colorado was from all over the country. And we just right. happened to be from Michigan. And I still remember him saying that you are the only two non-physical therapists yeah. in this entire crowd. Yeah. Why are you here? <laughs> and I remember you kind of guiding, to like, let's go listen to this guy talk about, you know, tr movement and therapy right. and whatever. Right. And that was, I think, was at 93, 92? Yeah, it was very early Very on. early on. So that was kind of my eye-opening at the very beginning. And then I think your philosophy was – you know, I came from a bodybuilding standpoint. Your dad was a bodybuilder. You were a track athlete. You were a lot of, you know, Olympic type lifting at the time. I remember that. And um, we had different, just different training. But I really was intrigued by, as I started learning more about movements and you were always about form follows function, function follows form, the whole, yeah. you know, and so part of that. And then just recently, I mean, we've known each other for 
for for 30, a long time. Yeah. Almost 30 years. Yeah, for a long time. And, you know, and, and I consider you probably my go-to resource in this space. Well, I shouldn't say go, you are. So when I had started having a little bit of issues with my back and my hamstrings, I reached out to you. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to come and start training with you. And so that kind of the genesis of, and people would ask me, why are you going over to see Walt when, the, when this is what you do? And I'm like, well, yeah, but Walt's, Walt's got a whole other, other look and he's got a, all this expertise. And, and I got to tell you, he's a freak show. The guy can move in all <laughs> different directions. And I want to learn more about what he's talking to me about limiting factors. So I know that's kind of a long-winded, but that's kind of how we're here today is, You've really changed my mindset about movement. And I'm going to be 63 years old this year. I want to continue to move well. And you kept telling me that there's some limiting factors for you. And that's why your hamstring's an issue or your calf's an issue or your back's an issue. It's not more strength training. It's more specifically about movement. So anyway, that's that's where we want to begin. So I hope that gives everybody a little context of, of what what your expertise is. Um, when you say personal training, as we've talked earlier, that's a large. It is. It's a big area. And I think that going back to the whole Gary Gray piece, uh, Gary was a maverick. He's, I think he still is practicing, but in the physical therapy world, and he didn't look at therapy in the, from the same vantage point as most of the rest of the physical therapy world did. He looked at it from a movement perspective and a function perspective. And what we got from that, from spending time with him and kind of going down that road, was that the line between training and therapy is really pretty fuzzy. I mean, if you look at at beyond the modalities of you know ultrasound and hot packs and those kinds of things, when you get to the exercise portion of therapy, it's really a variation on training. And so that's how I've I've come to look at it from a movement perspective as opposed to a muscle one. And the bodybuilding world, um, as, as you mentioned, my father was a bodybuilder, is, has largely been based on muscles. I mean, you split it up by muscle groups, you train, you know, various different areas on different days. Yeah. But hey, it's, hey but, that's me, right? But it's all muscle. It's, it's muscle oriented. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But when you come at it from a movement perspective and you look at different movements and say, okay, I can do this particular movement here well, but I'm not able to do this one over here, which basically we're going to get to and hopefully we're going to have a chance to shoot some video of some of these exercises, is you do a movement screen, you kind of assess, can you do this movement? And if you can't, what's stopping you? And that weak link is the thing that is probably something that would be worth training rather than staying in your wheelhouse and only training the things that you like to do and sticking with your strong suit. Yeah, I really like doing bicep curls or <laughs> right. chest presses or, you know, whatever it might be. Right. So that's the whole, that's what, and that's intriguing to me. Yeah. And as you said, with back in the day with Gary, he talked about, you know, I remember talking to him about training in the backyard and training in the front yard. Right. And the, and the backyard is safe. Yeah. Got the fenced in yard, it's safe, but the front yard, Got yep. the road, no fence. Yeah. So we have to trans, you know, you have to eventually go from the backyard to the front yard. Right. And I think that's really what you've helped me is I want to play paddle ball at a high level, be able to run, but I don't want to, I don't want to pull my hamstring or my calf muscle. Mm-hmm. So that's in, the, I'm in the front yard now. 
Right. I'm in the gym and I'm doing certain things. It's controlled. It's okay. Yep. Right. But once I get out in the front yard, I'm like, okay, or I'm going downhill skiing and I hit a bump wrong or whatever it might be. Those are the things that I think a lot of people are not thinking about in their training. Right. You know, they're getting the same, keep doing what you're doing well. Yeah. Versus maybe some of your limiting, and especially as you get older, you know, mm-hmm. you see a lot of back issues and shoulder problems and people ache all the time and then they lose their mobility. And some of the stuff I you showed me last time at this health club I'm at, I'm mm-hmm talking to these guys about this and that and the next thing you know i said hey try this and they're like i can't even do that i'm like right they didn't even know it so that's the awareness so right yeah that's a big piece so so let's just start with a couple questions here so as you know back in the day people always want to know us how, how many sets how many reps <laughs> how much resistance i'm in the i'm in the weight room yep. doing strength training so what do you say to that where, where do you begin with some of that those questions okay well it it it's largely influenced by what exercises are we talking about or in our context, what movements are we talking about? I have kind of a, a basic rule of thumb, which is show me one good rep of something and then you can do more. But like take a push up, a squat or a pull up because I like to break things down into simple push, squat, pull. Those are three different movements that you see some variation on in the weight room with just about most exercises or some variation on those three. Uh, Can you do one good push-up? And there are some principles of what determines whether a push-up is good or not. Sure. Can you do one good squat? And there are different kinds of squats. There there are body weight squats, there are weighted squats, there's a whole bunch of different types. Can you do one good pull up? And most people say no, (laughs) okay? My thing is train to do one good rep of some basic fundamental exercises and then you can get into, okay, let's start doing sets of five or 10 or whatever and Bicep curls are a fine exercise. I mean, they're if you're going to be a bodybuilder, they're certainly one of the mainstays. Um, but you know, I see people doing bar, you know, bicep curls with five pounds, and I'm thinking, you know what? There's just not enough intensity there to get really any kind of improvement or adaptation. That person would be better off learning to do a body weight row, which is a variation on a pull up, and a lot fewer reps, a lot more intensity, but if you do it right, the risk of getting injured is very, very low. Sure, so they got the progressions there. Yeah. And you're getting more, you're training more of a you're movement. Training, you're training more of a movement, you're training more muscles, you're not getting just one specific isolated area. Again, if you're looking to pose on stage, isolation is great. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking to function better in your life, um, I had a listener from the podcast call me last week and we were talking on the phone and he said his big thing that he wants to be able to do is play with his kids. He's got a three-year-old daughter and then a relatively newborn who's a few months old. And he wants to be able to, he's in his late thirties, I think, and he wants to be able to play with them as they, you know, and he's like, my three-year-old can just, you know, run circles around me right now with the way she can move. I want to be able to do that myself. Right. That's functional movement. And I, and I like the whole thing of everybody could start with one good rep. 
Yeah. Based on the progression. So if we're talking a push up, I remember you talking about your grandmother yep. was doing push ups and squats until she was 98. Yep. So let's start with a push up against the wall. If you can give me one perfect rep of that. Right. And one good squat, then we can talk about the next step. Right. But I think you said another thing too. I was listening to our podcast today, actually working out. And I was, I really liked what you said about, we talked about why people don't do certain things. And you said many times it's the the the, the gap is so large mm-hmm. that they think they they have to go be away over here. And you're saying let's just start with a wall push up. Almost everybody can do a wall push up, right? And then it builds confidence. And then we can do you know whether it's a, a modified squat or a modified push up or whatever. But I really like the whole thing of give me a really good one, yeah. really good rep. So let me give you an example in that context. Let's just take the push up. Progression starts on a wall with your hands at roughly a little below shoulder level and your feet, let's say you, the, you, your toes are a foot and a half from the wall, okay? Most people can do that. So how do you progress from that to a regular push-up? Well, next thing you do is you move your hands down a little lower on the wall and you move your feet back a little further. Then you move your hands to a countertop, which is roughly 30 inches and your feet back. Then you move your hands to say 18 inches and your feet back further. You see how you're getting closer? Sure. Then at some point you're on the ground. ground. Mm -hmm. Then what do you start doing to make it harder? You put your feet up on the wall, say two feet on a a two foot block. And then you start walking your feet up the wall. And then the thing (laughs) you do is you're doing a handstand push up. okay? So your progression starts standing and finishes completely on your hands. And so there's a progression like that of sorts for pretty much every single exercise you can imagine. So when people come into the gym and you and I discussed this last time, it's a it's a playground. It is. So when you're thinking of push-ups are boring, well, what type of push-up are we doing today? Right. Are we going to do cuz you you know, you and I did this before, but our feet are on the wall now. Mm-hmm. You know, and Wow, that makes the intensity a lot greater. And then as the feet go higher, it becomes even greater. Right. And now we're almost doing, you know, an upside down or handstand push-up, which is a whole different deal. So. And if you can do them with your feet on the wall and that's too easy, then do it freestanding with your feet out. <laughs> <laughs> or like we did one day, we w- did blocks and we're doing handstands. That's and, right. And you were trying to get me to kind of balance on one arm. I'm like, wait a minute here. <laughs> this progression might be a little bit hard for me, buddy. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I like that whole... Because then I think everybody could take any exercise. Every exercise. And then you you said last time, which was really, it's all skill related. Mm-hmm. It's a skill. You, it's a, it's, you have to actually practice the skill. Yeah. And I was in Arizona last week and one of the trainers there, Marjorie, was in Tucson. And I was with Carl and Paula Porter, spent mm-hmm. a few days with them. But- she said to me, it's really nice to watch somebody in the in the gym that has good movements because that's what she struggles with with people. All they're doing is interested in pushing the weights. Right. But there's really no thought on the movement. Right. And I was doing the squat, as I mentioned to you, with my arms overhead. And then I had a couple people ask me, what are you doing? Because I kept doing that kind of mixed in with my workout. And I said, I'm kind of working on my flexibility in my back and my hips and whatever. Can you show me? Mm-hmm. And then I showed them and they're like, I can't do this. I'm like, but it's a skill. You can practice it. Right. That's how what I did. When you first showed me, I, I wasn't, you know, getting very good at it. But now I, I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. So you, you shared with me last night when we were talking on the phone how that's influenced 
how your back feels. Why don't you just share that with me? Well, initially, one of the things I came to see you, because when I'm playing paddleball, it's a lot of twisting and bending and squatting. So it was like my calf, my hamstring, my back. And I've never really had any issues with my back, but my back was always like getting tight. And once I stretched out, I was fine. Um, but after you showed me that, I really wanted to get better at that because I felt like it was a I felt like I was limited in my range of motion. And we talked about this last time. My big weak, weak link is suppleness. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about all your five S's. Yeah. And I need to be more supple. And so I'm working on that. But as I did this squat and I and you said to me, it was the same thing. I do I do a set of it, but I might do five or six sets in the course of my workout, mm-hmm. but I'm only doing three repetitions. Right. And I'm trying to get the repetition as perfect as possible. So I'm not doing 13 or I'm not doing 10. I'm just doing three. And as I've done that, it's amazing. Like I just came back from Alaska. I was on a plane for eight hours and trains, planes, and automobiles. And I get home and my back doesn't doesn't bother me a bit. (laughs) Now, if I did that before, I would be kind of seized up for a while until I get loosened up. So it really has helped my back flexibility. So it's a movement that I wasn't doing that really tackled my my right. weak link. Something you said I wanna I wanna address and that's you said I might do four or five sets over the course of a of an entire time in the weight room a workout. Um four or five sets of three repetitions. Correct. Okay. There's a big difference between let's say four sets of three reps and one set of twelve. And I think Initially, with much of this movement stuff, we do better with fewer repetitions, so brief and frequent, right? As opposed to okay, let's knock out ten or twelve of them, yeah, or twenty, right? Uh, Because what suffers as fatigue comes in is the form suffers, the stabilization suffers, everything suffers. So keep it to a few. And master that, and then and I, you know, and you and I have talked about this, but then your focus and your intensity is so much Greater. clearer versus doing twenty, right? And and as you know, when you th- you know, like I talk to people about you can't out exercise a bad diet. So when I start talking about cardiovascular exercise, people are like, "You're telling me I only need to do this much?" I'm like, "Yeah," because if you do a period of time, unless you're training for a marathon or mm-hmm. at something training specificity. But you're losing your alignment, your form, and whatever, and you're just repeating kind of bad movements. Right. So I think that kind of goes into some of the other things they're doing. Again, back to movement. Why would I want to do the same repetitive movement over and over and over that's shortening and shortening and shortening when my goal is to get more supple? Right. Absolutely. And so I'm doing a little bit, you know, I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. I'm doing more sets, but less reps. Yeah. And I'm really focusing on my form. And all I'm trying to do is increase my range yep. with good form. And you have. And, and you I have. have. And just in the span of what has it been, three or four weeks? Just a few weeks. And last but not least, a big motivator for me is my back feels better. Right. So now I played paddleball yesterday for a couple hours. And I get home and I'm doing different things. I had a couple of meetings where I'm sitting and listening or whatever. And I walk out to my car and I'm like, wow, I feel I feel pretty good. <laughs> and I wouldn't normally feel that after I playing a couple hours of paddleball and then having to sit for a couple hours. So it really did. It really, again, back to one of the things we also talked about, like what are some go-to movements? For me, the thing you taught me a while back was the flexibility 
in my ankles and my calves. Mm -hmm. And so I do that with a foam roller. I don't even need the foam roller anymore because when we first met, I didn't have that mobility, flexibility in my feet and the ankles. Right. And what did you say to me when we first got together? You were talking about, tell me in your squat, what's your, where's your limiting factor here? Do you remember Mm -hmm. that? Yeah, I don't remember specifically what. Well, you asked me about squatting. What's mm-hmm. holding you back to getting lower? And I would like, well, it's my knee. Cause oh, I, I got you. And you were saying, knee. no, it's not really your knee. It's more of your feet, your, your feet, ankles. Your ankles. Mm-hmm. And you had you had knee. You had had knee. I, knee, I had a ruptured patella. Correct. Right. So that was you thought that was the limiter. I kept telling you, and I had three screws <clears> in my <throat> knee, and you kept saying, right. you know, well, do you want to get better? And finally, right. I said, okay. So I think that's a go-to movement for me on a regular basis. I do that every day. Is the ankle calf flexibility. Mm-hmm. I'm working on that. I, the other one's a go-to for me now is this the squat thing you showed me. I probably would do that, not maybe every day, but I'll do that pretty frequently right. throughout the week. I'm going to show you a couple more today. I know, I'm excited about it. You showed me one just before this, and I'm like, okay, that's a good one for my hamstring. Yeah. So, so as we're talking about this, you talk a lot about identifying weak links. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I came to you and you started identifying things that were really my my limiting factor on some of these things so tell the listeners what you about that and you know and again we've talked about movement screens but that's really the bottom line you're trying to identify weak links through these movement screens right so the the point behind doing a movement screen like you say is to identify specific places where you're limited with respect to the rest of your body so um, if someone does a standard squat, some people can go and travel through the range of motion fully and feel great and look fine and be in great in alignment. That's not the case for most. And some people don't like squatting, but if you sat in a chair today or stood up from one, then you squatted. So it's a fundamental human movement. It's a movement. It's a movement that we, we do every day on some level. And so... <clears throat> The weak links for many people are not necessarily what they think. A lot of knee problems are really ankle and hip issues in disguise. So the knee kind of goes where the, the foot and the and the hips ask it to go. <laughs> we were talking back and forth. Remember back in the day we talked about the knee being a stupid joint? It's kind of a, yeah. I mean, it's more, <laughs> uh, in a way it is. It's kind of, a, it looks like a leader because it sticks out front, but it's really largely a follower with the hip and the foot an ankle ask it what to do so weak links for many people are ankles hips low back shoulders (laughs) i mean those four areas if we could cure ills in all four of those areas people be in a whole lot better better place Mm -hmm. um and so the the movement screens or the the squatting movements that that we've talked about some of which we've done and a couple more that we'll actually get into are really good at kind of showing us where we need to start and what we need to work on. And the cool thing about it, one of the cool things about it is that the screen itself becomes a training. So if you say, well, I can only get this far doing this exercise today, what do I need to do to make it better? Practice it one to two to three reps at a time. Mm-hmm. And you know, over a, peri- over a relatively short period of time, um, you can make some really significant improvement. I had somebody come in uh, last week and was a, actually a very proficient mover, 
but unaware that she had some restrictions at her ankle. And she wasn't able to do a particular squat particularly well. And we literally did five minutes of some basic fundamental exercise to work on her ankle mobility. Boom. All of a sudden, she's like, oh, my gosh. It, it can be that fast. It's, I'm not saying it is for everybody, but it can happen pretty quick. And that's a motivator. You talk about motivation. When you see or feel an improvement in your body over a relatively short period of time, that's a motivator to keep doing what you're doing. Well, and I think that's the thing when you said, okay, you know, what are the go-to movements? So now, like you said, okay, what's if you looked at most people coming to see you for the first time, what do you run them through? I mean, because mm -hmm. they, they probably come with some idea of what they want to improve upon, but sometimes they don't really know. Right. So what, what are a couple of things that you almost have almost everybody go through when you first meet with them? Okay. I will have almost everybody do some form of wall squat, which we talked about last time. We're going to demonstrate later. I, so back up for a second. Yeah. So when you have them do a wall squat, what do you, what do you hear from them? What do they say to you? Um, I can't squat more than a few inches without falling over backwards <laughs> and so what do you when you see that what do you what are you assessing their their range of motion is limited to what well or, that one's giving me an overall sense of how all these pieces relate together it's not necessarily getting specifically at is this ankle is this hip is this low back is this chains. the shoulder yeah, but like when someone puts their hands overhead and tries to squat in front of a wall while standing one inch away from it, you can tell who has shoulder mobility based on who can keep their arms straight. Mm -hmm. and, and you're holding, you know, like a, a broomstick or a very, very light, you know, five, maybe 10 pound bar. The second they start to squat, their elbows will bend and their shoulders will start to internally rotate. And it happens pretty much every time for most people. Those who are mobile in their shoulders, their arms will stay straight. Well, one of the things I've observed over a long period of time is if your shoulders are tight, then your hips are probably tight. So if you see tight shoulders, there's a good chance the hips are tight too. And I'll ask people, where do you feel that? It's like, well, my gosh, my low back, is, it's hard to hold my hands overhead. Okay, so now we got all three. Yeah, if all three of those are tight, there's a good chance the ankles are tight too. So. Everything. Yeah. But where do we start? Let's just blow up the, let's blow it up. Let's start right. from nothing. Yeah. So, so I, I, that's what I, I kept thinking like, where do you start with people? But you're just starting with some basic movements and creating basic that awareness. Basic movements. I'll Is have it, people kneel on the floor like we did. I'll have them kneel with their kind of toes tucked under. So their ankles, ankles are flexed up. So their toes are flexed up towards their knees and I'll have them kneel if they can. If they can't kneel, then that tells me something. And I'll have them try to sit back with their rear end towards their heels. I'll have them do that same thing. And this is the one that was challenging for you is with the toes pointed. Mm -hmm. And many people don't have a whole lot of plantar flexion. So their ankles are tight. So there's a big space. Yeah, I had a space of almost two inches between my ankle and the floor. And the floor. And my toe was pointed. And your toe was pointed. And, and now I, it's, I can back. rest it down and now there. Now your ankle is on the floor. On the floor. And you can sit back. Yeah. And the other thing too is like when you do a wall extension, when you have both arms overhead, isn't it amazing to me that a lot of people aren't even aware that they, until they do that. Oh, yeah. So I'll ask them, do you have any shoulder problems when I'm sitting down with them? And they'll say, no, my shoulders are fine. And then you have them do that and they're like, 
Well, I don't have a shoulder problem until I raise my arms overhead. Right. <laughs> then I have a problem. So I just, so I don't so, go there. So I just don't have any function, no capacity, right? Right. So I, I just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I think we all shrink capacity as we age, but the goal is to kind of hold on as much as you can. Well, and that's the other thing though, is that the cool thing about all this is that yes, as we age, things tend to go down, but that doesn't make that like the rule. <laughs> yes, yeah, like having high blood pressure as you get older. That's not true. It's the same thing as we age. It doesn't, it, it could be a much slower, right? you know, process than we sometimes think, oh, I'm just getting older. And like, right. no, no. Because right. that's, that's the thing I think you have really done a good job of helping people understand is no matter what age you are, you can get better. It's a practice. When you were, you're, you're going to be 63, you said? Yeah. Okay. When you were 53, 43, you think you do wall squat? No. As well as you do now? I, I think, you know, I was I mean, more muscular and whatever, but I think my flexibility has actually gotten a little bit better. Okay. So there you go. That's my point mm -hmm. is that. But I didn't work on it. Right. And I wasn't even aware of it. And that's, see, and this is, this is a, I think this is an important thing for people to understand or hear, at least it's my strong belief, is that the things we tend to be strong at, the places we want to spend our time, you know, if you're a fitness person and you love to lift weights or do bodybuilding, then you tend to stick with the things that you're good at, okay? But it's those other areas out of the speed, strength, stamina, suppleness, and skill. Yours was a suppleness piece, which is the same for a whole bunch of people. You were like a baby in the suppleness development area for right. a long time. Right. And so your ability to make improvement there is huge. Your ability to maybe squat another 100 pounds, whatever, beyond what you ever did before, you're probably closer to your potential there than you are in terms of your ability to to move through a large range of motion. And that's what I've noticed as, and again, I started changing my way I trained and my philosophy of training others was based on when I started looking like, okay, I'm moving better. I'm feeling better. I have less aches and pains. And and by the way, I'm probably moving better. I'm, at, I'm not probably as fast as I was obviously in my forties, but I can still, I feel like I can still move better or I'm trying to get better. And you're slowing down less than most people. <laughs> right. Well, but I don't, I still want to play. Right. You know, I got four grandkids now. And so I'm, you know, that's a whole nother thing that like your friend that reached out to you, I, I want to be able to play with my grandkids and do all the, the fun stuff and not having to be like, oh, well, grandpa can't do that. Right. You know, grandpa can do that. You know, just maybe not as level as he did earlier when he's in his thirties. But I love that idea of that. You, it's a skill you keep practicing, and I've seen it. I've witnessed it just re recently, and then again back in the day when we did the ankle thing. So yeah. So so let's talk about um, talk about nervous system adaptation for just a second. What does that mean to you? You said it before. Movement is a skill. It's something that you get better at with practice, and. The idea that doing one or two or three really good reps can be beneficial is kind of where that starts. You can bring a lot more mental focus to doing one repetition than you can to 10. And the nervous system 
is the command center for everything that we do, <laughs> not just movement-wise, but life-wise. The brain and nerves tell everything else what to do. So learning how to use the brain and nerves to tell the muscles what to do is something that some people are inherently talented at movement. They come into the world and they're just great movers from the outset. And some people are not. Um, and for those that are not, I think there's, in some cases, just a generally accepted sense that, well, okay, I'm not a mover. I'm not meant to be. That's just not something I'm going to be good at. The thing is, is that everybody with a reasonable form of training can move better. And it fundamentally is all neural, okay? Even getting bigger to train, you know, to be a bodybuilder, if you want, if you're looking to get bigger, bigger muscles, that comes from telling your muscles what to do in a certain way over a long period of time. And skills are best learned in this context, I think, when you do them on a fairly regular basis, but also when you add some variation. So, I mean, we'll do 10, 15, 20 different kinds of squats, okay? Sure. Rather than just one, one type of squat. And becoming reasonably versed across a broad set of movements, even like within the one, say, squatting category, is um, that is a, that's a, a nervous system adaptation thing. You might be good at one, try to be good at a whole bunch of different you know, it makes me think too, for example, you know, what, what are we not taught in school? We're not taught finance, we're not taught health or whatever. But sometimes I look like, why aren't we taught more about nutrition at the elementary stage level and really get into the quality stuff? And you see, see think about the same thing with movements. I remember we did the president's physical fitness, mm -hmm. but it was just movements. And I remember you throw a softball and you did the, you know, the run and the the shuttle run and the broad jump and the pull-ups and whatever. But I look back and you're talking about people that are coming to the world. But in, in our school, I remember that if you weren't physically good at this stuff, you kind of kept shying away from them. And I look back in time, like when I was in fifth and sixth grade, the people were the best in the physical fitness thing. They kept kind of getting better and better and better. And the other people, they didn't want to play kickball. They don't want to play. They don't want to play as much. And so, as adults, they're not players anymore. They don't. But it's kind of sad that if we could teach these basic movements to people, because how many people are ta taught actually how to throw a ball? I remember playing baseball in high school, and my coach Bob Campbell would talk about a crow hop, and it was amazing how many people didn't know what a crow hop meant playing. And throwing a baseball, everybody can learn how to do a crow hop. And if you do a crow hop, that it teaches you how to throw a baseball. It's a foundation. It's a skill. Yeah. So I look back and I'm like, half these kids didn't even know how to throw a ball. Well, then they're throwing a ball and then people are making fun of them. Right. I might have been one of those people making fun of them. <laughs> right. right. But the point of it is, is that I see such, such as our society doesn't move because I think a lot of them don't know how to move. Right. And that's kind of sad because they could learn how to move better, like even getting off the floor. Everybody can learn how to move better. Oh, speaking of getting off the floor, I have a couple challenges for you. <laughs> so, so I think that's that's the thing I want I want some of the people to take away. This doesn't matter where you are, but once you start training that nervous system, like you said, it's a skill. Everybody, I think, could get better, and they're not going to be a 
maybe the greatest mover ever, you know, right. coming out, but they also, everybody can get better in their own. Absolutely. You know, I can't move like you can. I never will, but that's not me. I'm trying to get better for me. And I, right. I think sometimes I look at why don't most adults move? Mm-hmm. Because I think they have lost the desire to move or play. Right. Because if you're playing more, then it's fun and then it's you're more intrinsically motivated. That was That's my take on same thing with nutrition is how do you create a – a lifestyle that people like what they're eating, not having feel like they're on a diet. Yeah. Or I need to have this structured workout program when reality is I just need to learn how to do some movements. And it was funny, like I mentioned to you when I was in Arizona, there was some people that were really interested in those movements. Mm-hmm. They were wondering, what does that movement do for you? And then I asked them, I said, what do you guys like to do? And they're like, oh, I, like I love playing golf and tennis. Do you so think that I- might be helpful for the golf and tennis? And they're like, yeah. How many people were in the weight room when you were there? Oh, a small amount, maybe six. Okay. It's a relatively small room. And they were the six of those people all doing kind of conventional stuff? Yeah, it's just mostly okay. machine strength training or cardio So equipment. they look at you and they see that you're doing something different and they say, hmm, what's up with that? I mean, what told them that what you were doing was different from what any well, of the Well, one of the things I was doing bodyweight rows. Okay. I was doing like a circuit and I was doing some inverted push-ups uh-huh. and I'm doing hangs uh-huh. with some pull-ups and I'm doing that squat. Yeah. And so I'm not on the machines like, you know, and then I had some dumbbells and I was doing some shoulder compound movements a little bit. Yeah. And then I and I popped into a machine or two. Yeah. But they just were because I was there like three days in a row. So th- something stood out about what you were doing. And, and I was in the little little tiny corner in the in the in trying to get away from everybody right. where I had a little space. And then I was doing the wall squats. Right. And that really created a lot of attention from some of these people. Yeah. yeah. And so yes. Yeah, so, so like you go into any gym and you're gonna have, you know, typically machines, free weights, cardiovascular equipment, whatnot. Today I brought with me some yoga blocks, a couple of broomstick-like bars that are less than 10 pounds, a couple of yoga mats, because I didn't see any the last time I was here. I don't know if you have them. Yeah, we got a whole bunch in the in the closet. And a balance board that we're not going to use the balance board part of it. We're just going to use it as a plank. Mm-hmm. And that's our training equipment. <laughs> How much did that cost? Oh, gosh. Not much, know, right? together, not much. Right. Okay. And... Gary Gray had a concept he called the empty room concept, which was you need to be good enough at your practice that you can get somebody better in an empty room with right. no equipment. With nothing. And if you've got a mat, put great. Right. That just, you know. A if mat. You've got, if you've got a broomstick. Hey, what's your studio look like? We have mats. <laughs> nothing in there. Or a broomstick. So, but but for people that are listening, I can see some people going, well, this all sounds great, but I, I don't have the faintest idea where to start. And this is not a, a personal plug, though it's going to come across like that. See if you can get some professional guidance from someone. It doesn't have to be somebody that does is doing all the stuff that you and I are doing specifically, but someone who has some experience at in just the field mm-hmm. of training. Because going from not doing anything to doing some type of moving, whether it's walking, jogging, cycling, lifting weights, calisthenics, yoga. I don't care. If you're sitting on the couch, get up and walk around the couch. Going from zero to one is where the greatest improvements in health happen. Well, I think the big point you're making too is 
people just have to take action. You know, it's all about taking action. If you're not drinking enough water, drink more water. If you're not eating an apple, eat an apple. You know, it's the same premise. Just what are you doing? And if they start to do it, then they'll start getting better at it. And then it could be simple. And we're going to show some of these things yeah. that everybody can do. And it's just a progression. Yeah. I mean, back to the push-up. I mean, everybody, almost everybody can do a wall push-up. Yeah. Almost everybody that can that can stand can do some form of a squat. Yeah. They have to. Right? right. Right. So these are fundamental movements. And I like what you're saying is that why wouldn't I get some instruction you know, if you want to move better, get some instruction. And they're all, they're, I mean, that field is so big. And we talked about that, the different levels. But the bottom line is if you can get somebody that has knowledge in this space, mm-hmm. then, and then seek if you don't, it out. and just seek it out, give it, give it a try. All right. So as we wrap this up, is there anything else? We, we didn't really touch too much on motivation. You want to kind of end with that? Or anything else you want to make sure the listeners know? Well, okay. So, um, Seeking out guidance also has the added benefit of when you when you have someone watching what you're doing who can watch you with a skilled eye, someone that you trust. know and trust mm-hmm. is sure. kind of the most important right. thing. Right. You generally, most people will generally do better. There's just something about having that person there, you know? And motor learning being what it is, a lot of it has to come from the inside, but extrinsic motivation coming from somewhere else helps too. Sure. So that's a big one is just having someone. Um, Being able to see some type of measurable result is a huge motivator. I mean, we're we're humans and um, the stock market's been going down the last couple of days and I'm sure a lot of people are following what's going on with that. But what is that? That's an objective measure for some people of their wealth. Well, they're paying attention to it. We pay attention to objective feedback that we get from the world. We get objective feedback from our bodies telling us that we're making improvements, we're feeling stronger, we're hurting less, we're able to move through a greater range of motion today than we were two weeks ago. Those are motivators. We're able to lift more weight or we're able to do something, we're able to do some movement skill that we weren't able to do before. Those are all motivating. The key is for each person to find what works for them. Mm -hmm. And that's where the guidance comes in because not everybody's made to do, uh, you know, a deep squat (laughs) Um, or a standard push-up or a handstand for that matter. But I've had people who came in and said, oh my gosh, I could never even contemplate doing a handstand. And guess what? They did. (laughs) It took some time. Sure. But um, those are motivating things, having some objective. I remember I had a guy um, way back in the day and his wife had back issues and she'd come in and she was seeing some results from her training and they'd come in together and they were both in their 70s, but he didn't really want to be there. There was no driving, you know. And so one day I asked him, I said, so what would you really like to do? And he said, I'd like to learn how to play basketball. He's 73 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. So we started looking at different movements he could do in the gym to help him play better basketball. He had his carrot. He had his carrot. And (laughs) I still remember that. I'm like, the only reason he's coming to the gym is because he wants to play basketball. But 
first thing we're going to do is a couple movements to help you play better basketball so you're not hurting your ankles or, you know, pulling a hamstring or whatever. Right. So you're exactly right. It's 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 what is going to be motivating to you. Yeah. And it and that is different for almost everybody. But I I love what you said if, if people can start seeing a little bit of Progress. some wins, they start seeing a few wins and make the wins easy, mm-hmm. you know, like when I have a, a person coming in, if they can do, let's just say they can do two push-ups, that's a huge win. We're not interested in, you know, right. going crazy here. We're just starting to do some really quality stuff. And and I would do this the same thing. One of the things I was motivated to come see you is I would be practicing this and I wanted to show you that I could do right. the, you know, <laughs> the show the teacher what, what the student is doing, so. Well, anyway, thanks, my friend. We're going to do some videos now, and uh, hopefully the listeners can jump on and take a look at some of the stuff. And uh, again, we'll have you back. But again, thanks for taking the time today. Loved it. Thank you.